It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. This is a big at-bat right here for Cody Bellinger, if indeed they pitch to him or work around him. Bellinger drives one in the air. That'll get the momentum back for the Cubs side. Get out the tape measure. Long gone to right field. Off the video board. Bellinger with a long home run, and the Cubs lead 7-2. Back-to-back, man. You do not see this in college football. But the Georgia Bulldogs bludgeon their way to -to back-to-back. Glory, glory, Georgia, as the fight song says. Marte singled in the fourth. To tell Marte, fly ball, left field, go ball, go. We are tied. His 20th, and it's one to one. Two balls and a strike. Tommy, base hit. Here comes Perdomo. Tommy Pham walks it off. What a ball game. They came back again. Marte's homer tied it, and Tommy Pham extends his hitting streak to a dozen games to win it 4-3. to three. Coming in the season with only 300 or so snaps. Play clock down to three. They get it to Taylor, and Taylor into the end zone, spinning. Touchdown, Colts. Fumble recovered by the Colts, and then Jonathan Taylor from two yards took care of the rest. Can Michigan pay it off? J.J. McCarthy, he'll run it with a lead! Touchdown, Wolverine! Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Tuesday, August 22nd edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7, the Cubs, will they reach the postseason? College football, should they reduce the future CFP field from 12 to 8 teams? The Diamondbacks, what was most impressive on Monday night? Jonathan Taylor, what team would be a good trade partner? Jim Harbaugh, dismissing the first three games matter. And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we have the introduction of today's pipeline. At 9.15, a Chicago Cubs update with Megan Montemuro of the Chicago Tribune. 9.30, it'll be interactive action at 602-260-1060. And also the local roundup, that will include Diamondbacks and Rangers analysis for Monday night. And then the final segment will be the national roundup topped by the MLB scoreboard. Some highlights from Monday. On to the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. And as usual, we start with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. And today's question is, will the Chicago Cubs reach the MLB postseason? And Corey is here and has the early returns. Right now, no is leading 75% of the vote there. Yes, at 25% on KDUS1060.com. 
The Cubs, after last night's victory at Detroit, are 66-59. and That's good for second in the NL wildcard standings. Today's Twitter poll question, should college football, because of uh, realignment, should they dump the 12-team playoff model scheduled to begin in 2024? And should they reduce that to eight teams? And once again, Corey has the early returns. Leading right now is no, 66% of the vote there. Yes, at 33.3% of the vote on KDUS AM 1060 on Twitter. The masses are wrong here, but that's just my humble and extremely accurate opinion in this case. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey, I think in mega case, he's now the most powerful voice in college football. Sankey appears to be leading the charge for the reduction from 12 teams to 8 teams. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Diamondbacks rallied late twice. Cattell Marte tied in the ninth inning. Tommy Pham won it in the 11th inning. What was most impressive during the Diamondbacks' 4-3 11-inning victory over the first-place Rangers last night? Spanning the globe, the Colts' Jonathan Taylor. Well, that saga has a new twist. Team Colts has given Team Taylor permission to seek a trade. So, what team or teams should be interested in acquiring Jonathan Taylor? Jim Harbaugh will not start the season. The frequently changing story took another turn on Monday when the school self-imposed that Harbaugh will be suspended for the first three games versus the daunting trio of East Carolina, UNLV, and Bowling Green, not surprisingly, all three of those games in Ann Arbor. So, should anybody really care, or does it matter if Jim Harbaugh is actually coaching Michigan in the first three games of the season, or against uh, none of them are against Power 5 conference opponents? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? Well, that's the pipeline for today. We get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational one-hour radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion categories, whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. Coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Chicago Cubs update with Megan uh, Megan Montemoro, uh, Montemoro excuse me, of the uh, Chicago Tribune. Good stuff uh, upcoming from Megan. And uh, the Cubs uh, had like three or four teams that I thought were crazy, not selling at the trade deadline. The Cubs were one of those teams. I think of the teams that I you know, was against, uh, you know, I thought made the wrong moves. I think they're really the only one that I think it's clear, at least to this point. And I, even if they, you know, they've had, they got a chance now, so more than a chance. They're, you know, in the wild card right now. I think they're the only team I was wrong about when I declared that these teams should be buying or selling. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it'll be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. And we'll have some analysis from Diamondbacks and Rangers on Monday night. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. I'll turn those picks into gold. Wall-to-wall NFL coverage and the biggest stories coming to you from 3 to 5 p.m. The Rich Eisen Show here on KDUS AM 1060 and KDUS1060.com. 
Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. Right now it is time for a, our daily giveaway this week for Diamondbacks tickets on Saturday, August the 26th. That's a uh, the U of A night at Chase Field when the Diamondbacks face the Cincinnati Reds. Right now, caller number 2, 602 260 you are today's winner. Once again, 602-260-1060. You're today's winner of a four-pack of tickets. First pitch on Saturday is 510, so keep that in mind if you're going to try to win here. 510 first pitch. By the way, fans can purchase a special event ticket package to receive a game ticket and a co-branded U of A Diamondbacks t-shirt. Visit diamondbacks.com slash U of A to secure your tickets now. All right, the Cubs remain second in the National League wildcard standings after last night's victory at Detroit. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joined the sports zone by Megan Montemuro of the Chicago Tribune. And, hey, Megan, good to have you. Let's uh, start with these last 10 series. The Cubs are 8-1-1 and in these last 10 series. That's a, quite a turnaround after the previous few weeks. Has there been the, a big the, – is there a biggest reason for this turnaround? I mean, I think it's really a combination of things. Really, it, the offense has carried them for stretches, um, whereas, you know, basically from May-ish um, until mid to late June, the, the offense was really struggling. Um, and so they've really gotten in the groove. Um, the addition of Jamer Candelario has made a huge difference in that. Um, and then I think, you know, you look at the, the back end of their bullpen. I mean, it's, it's a really unproven group. Um, mm-hmm. You know, their they're top three relievers, Julian Merriweather, Mark Leiter Jr., and Edward Elzelay, I mean, they have either already exceeded career highs in innings um, out of the bullpen or they're very quickly getting there uh, with still, you know, over a month left in the season. So um, they've been shouldering a lot of the load. Um, so, yeah, I think it's really been a combination of things, and that's with, two, you know, some inconsistencies from the rotation. You know, they looked like uh, the Cubs, like deadline sellers for, quite frankly, much of the summer uh, before that hot streak right before the deadline. How close do you think they might have been to becoming sellers? Oh, they were really close. I mean, for probably about a week and a half, two weeks before the trade deadline, I mean, there were there were uh, deadline buyers that had scouts, you know, following, probably uh, had someone at every Cubs game almost. Um and so, yeah, like teams were fully expecting them to sell. They obviously had quite a few attractive pieces with Cody Bellinger being the main um, prize, I guess, uh, on their roster if they were going to sell. Um, so, no, they were they were definitely headed to that territory until about, you know, two weeks before, or I guess really the buildup in the final two weeks really shifted things. You mentioned Cody Bellinger. He's a Phoenix area product. This is a guy that mysteriously couldn't hit a high fastball the last couple of years. He was with the Dodgers. Uh, he uh, last night after last night he had a hit last night. He's hitting three twenty-two in the season with uh, twenty home runs. How has he turned it around this season? I mean, I think a big thing is you know he's fully healthy. You know he he wasn't trying to spend the offseason coming back from a bad injury. Um, he was allowed to kind of just do what he would normally do um, with his off-season program. And I think it's a combination. Like, I do think there is something to getting a new set of eyes on you and 
getting a different perspective, you know, getting out of the organization he'd been with for his entire pro career. Um, And I think there was just an openness on his end to hearing some of the Cubs' ideas. And from the Cubs' perspective, you know, they didn't want to change that much stuff. Like, they saw a lot of good. And with a guy that has his type of athleticism, I mean, you know, if if he can get to a good point in his swing and sees the results, you know, to back it up, like that's, that's a big confidence booster. And he's just been so good at, um, you know, not pulling out of his swing too much. So it, it allows him to go to the opposite field, allows him to fight in two straight counts and stay alive. Um, and, and, and again, his athleticism allows him to naturally make those adjustments and he's just, he's not having to think up there. He's not fighting through things. Um, and so I think some of the success that he started to experience, um, early in the season really helped, you know, fuel some confidence in what he was doing. Okay. So Bellinger has a, they have a mutual option for next season, just above 17 million, I'm guessing he can make a lot more than that on the open market. So is Bellinger priced himself out of Chicago here? Oh, for sure. I mean, that that mutual option was really just a way for um, both sides to kind of balance out the the CBT element um, of his salary. But but really the expectation was, you know, that one side or the other was was not going to be picking up the option either. If he didn't play well enough, you know, the Cubs wouldn't bring him back. And if he did as both sides – hoped and believed he would um then then bellinger would opt out and get a multi-year deal from if not from the cubs from somebody cubs are uh, now fifth in baseball and run scored uh you know i can look at season long numbers but you watch this team every day you know why is this offense uh you know kind of exploded here and become a consistent offensive threat on almost a daily basis yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things is um, is they, they've shown an ability to add on runs. Um, so even if it's been a close game um, most of the way, you know, they, they can they tack on runs late, seventh, eighth, ninth innings, and really put games away, um, which, you know, has helped the bullpen. Um, but they have quite a few guys that obviously can, can drive the ball, um, even if they're not necessarily hitting home runs. I mean, they've had plenty of innings where they score four-plus runs without hitting a home run. Um, you know, so they have the ability to drive ball to the gap. They have some contact hitters. Um, and, and really, you know, they've been aggressive in, in stealing bases. I mean, it, it, this has been one of their more aggressive base running teams um, in the last 10 years. So um, it's, it's really a combination. They, they don't necessarily have one way of scoring runs. This isn't um, an offense like uh, during their, their five-year run when they won, won the World Series where they're super reliant on hitting home runs. Like that was something that they really wanted to get away from when they when they rebuilt the team the last couple of years. And, you know, it's just it's a more entertaining brand of baseball. It gives more flexibility of how they can score runs because they're not just waiting for a home run um, to make that happen. And so it's, it's you know, it's, it's been pretty impressive the way they've done it. I mean, their, their leading home run hitter is a guy who, at this point, is basically a platoon player. Um, so um, they, they have a lot of ways that they can beat you, and they, they, it puts a lot of pressure on opposing pitching staff, too, with the way that they're able to work counts um, and, and really get starters' uh, pitch count up. 
Megan Monteborough of the uh, Chicago Tribune currently in the sports zone. Okay, the Cubs' defense up the middle has been terrific, uh, You know, starting with former Diamondbacks 2015 first-round overall pick of the draft, Dansby Swanson, now at shortstop. How important has Swanson been with his professionalism and just his all-around play? Oh, yeah, I mean, I think it's huge. I mean, they, they've really, they really added in the offseason quite a few guys um, with postseason experience. Obviously, we talked about Bellinger. Um, you know, Dansby obviously has a World Series title as well. Um, and, and, yeah, I mean, his addition, you know, obviously in the clubhouse, but just on the field, I mean, bringing him in, it, it shifted a guy in Nico Horner back from, you know, from shortstop back yeah. to second base where he had been a gold glove finalist before. Um, so it had that domino effect of just really enhancing their up the middle defense, having Bellinger in center field. And, and yeah, just watching him, I mean, he, he makes hard plays look routine, which, you know, I, I think is what you say a lot about any defender um, who, who has an elite glove. Um, so, yeah, no, it's been really impressive to watch. And, um, yeah, you, you can see why he, he's won a lot in his career and, and why they wanted to add him. You mentioned Horner. I was going to mention him next. You know, the addition of Swanson moves Horner to second base. Uh, Swanson and Horner, are they the best double play combination in baseball, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think that's certainly a fair argument, and I would you know, not dispute that if, if, if certainly Cubs fans would, would uh, agree with that assessment. I mean, I think between you know, their range and you know, Dansby just watching him, you know, a, a scout mentioned to me, uh, you know, with how much they had been watching the Cubs around the trade deadline, just what stands out about Dansby is just his internal clock. You know, he knows when, you know, he doesn't need to be rushing throws based on the base runner. He knows when he needs to get it off quick. He just has a really great understanding and, and IQ and internal clock of what he needs to be doing at that position. And then at second base, you know, with, with Nico Horner, I mean, same thing. I mean, there's there's balls he gets to that not a lot of second basemen get to. Um, you know, he he has a really good arm. You know, he showed that especially last year at shortstop and the work that he put in um, over the off season uh, two years ago to to really bolster his arm strength. And so, yeah, I mean, the the amount of ground that they can cover is so huge, especially nowadays with the shift restrictions. Like you need guys um that can really optimize that so it, it's been really impressive what they're able to do the cubs season long pitching numbers kind of middle of the pack for the most part uh, playing games at wrigley field uh yeah pitching numbers can sometimes be misleading so do these numbers pitching you know the middle of the pack pitching numbers do they lie or are they accurate or how would you rate the pitching staff I mean, their pitching staff for the first half was, was one of the best in baseball, especially the rotation. And then um, kind of late June, around the All-Star break, um, you know, Drew Smiley started struggling. Marcus Stroman, you know, struggled, you know, over his last seven starts before he got injured. Um, so those numbers certainly took a hit. And um, but, but, like, the, the group, especially the rotation, they still have guys in there that can, you know, single-handedly win games for them. I mean, Justin Steele, you know, is a, is a Cy Young contender for a reason. You know, Kyle Hendricks, a veteran who, who's obviously won a World Series. Jameson Tyone has looked so much better, um, you know, in, in the last six weeks. And so, yeah, they, they still have guys that, um, 
could go out there and win games for them. And and obviously, if you're if you're trying to make the postseason, you, you need those kind of guys in the rotation in particular. In fact, I was going to steal next. Uh, he got my attention last season. This year, fourteen and three with a two eighty or a run average, twenty eight walks, and hundred and twenty seven strikeouts in hundred and thirty two innings. Uh, why is he? Why has he been able to take this next step, so to speak? I mean, I think part of it is he he just has a really good understanding of what makes himself successful. I mean, he really technically is essentially a two pitch pitcher, but the way he's able to manipulate his fastball, how he can um, manipulate his slider, whether he wants it to sweep more, if he wants to make it a little bit harder um, and a sharper pitch uh, is really impressive. And so that sort of deception makes it really hard that even if you think he's throwing a fastball on that count or you totally expect that he's going to throw a slider to try and put you away, he just can do so much with each of those pitches and, and the movement he gets with them that it's just it's, it's so hard. Um, and so I think it's been really impressive the way that he knows himself um, and he doesn't, he doesn't deviate it. He doesn't try and get too cute, you know, as he gets deeper into a game. Like, you know, he sticks to his strengths. And, you know, for the most part, it's, it's worked. <laughs> You mentioned, you know, the uh, you know, just the way that he kind of understands things. But the, I guess I don't know if this is, quote, bad news, but he's already pitched 13 innings more than he did all of last season. You mentioned uh, the innings with the uh, bullpen guys. Might the organization try to manage these innings a little bit the rest of the season? But if you're in a playoff situation and playoff positioning is on the line, that's kind of tricky, right? Right, yeah. I mean, they tried to – they, they – had a stretch where they played 16 games in 16 days and then they had three off days and like a seven day span um so they they they're trying to take advantage of the off days and you know build in some extra rest through there so it's not you know where he's pitching every fifth day and it's more every fifth game and so you're you're getting some extra rest in there but yeah it's going to be interesting to see kind of what he looks like over this next month you know, they really last year wanted to make sure to get him as close to the end of the season as possible in, in anticipation of this. So even though his innings weren't that high because, you know, he struggled a lot with being able to get through five um, last year, he still pitched, I think, basically until maybe like two and a half weeks before the season ended and then they shut him down. Um, so his he, he at least went through almost a full season, even though the innings weren't there. So I think that is important. He didn't get shut down in the beginning of August. Um, and, yeah, you know, it's something where they're, they're going to obviously have to pay close attention to the data and see if they're seeing any concerning dips in that area um, and, you know, make adjustments as needed. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see how he handles this, especially with obviously every start being a lot down the stretch here. Okay, you mentioned Stroman. Uh, yeah, he's really struggled since that trip to London. He's on the injured list now. What's his status for the rest of the season? Well, he was going to be coming off the IL uh, last week, which he was initially on for right hip inflammation. But then he experienced some story. We don't really know exactly how the explanation for what happened isn't very clear, but he um, sustained right rib cartilage fracture um, and is still on the IL. There's no timeline for his return. I mean, 
if they get him back by the end of the season, I think they would consider that a bonus at this point um, because, you know, he was already down for two weeks and was coming back from that. Now this, um, he basically can't do anything until the pain and discomfort subsides, which is unclear when that will happen. Um, you know, their team president, Jed Hoyer, said he's never seen this injury before for a pitcher. And so they don't really know how long it's going to take for him to come back from it. So at this point, I, I don't think the Cubs are able to count on him throwing another pitch for them this season. And if that ends up happening, then they'll obviously be thrilled. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the, the initial injury with the hip inflammation just, you know, I think part of it was he had that blister in London, um, tried pitching through it. You know, he's a big field guy. It seems like his mechanics eventually got out of whack from, you know, who knows. He, he couldn't really offer specifics of when he felt like he got out of whack. But once you start doing that, you're overcompensating in different ways. You might not realize. And they believe that eventually led to the hip issue, um, which was only going to require a minimum 15-day stint until this cartilage root fracture um, happened, you know, three days before he was going to return. Okay, last up, you know, they're, I mentioned at the start here, their wild card position. They're also just two games behind the first place NL Central leading Brewers. Next week, they host the Brewers in a three-game series before they play four games at Cincinnati. What's your assessment of the Brewers and the Reds? Um, I mean, I, I obviously you can't overlook that. The Reds are certainly super exciting, you know, with the, the Brewers. I mean, it seems like Craig Council always brings out the best in whatever roster he has. Um, so obviously you can't overlook either team. But, I mean, I do think when you look at all three rosters, you certainly can make the argument that the Cubs have the most talent, um, especially proven talent, um, on their roster. So it'll be interesting to see, you know, does that outweigh the other intangibles? You know, does does the Reds' youth come into a factor late in the season, um, good or bad? And, you know, do the Brewers have enough offensive firepower um, to be able to hold on to the division? I mean, the Cubs end the season in Milwaukee with three games, which, you know, could, could decide the, the division title or, or, you know, which if either team uh, would make a wild card spot. So, it's certainly shaping up to be an exciting race. Thanks, Megan. Megan Montemurro of the Chicago Tribune. Tonight, the Cubs are in Detroit. Drew Smiley uh, back in the rotation, at least for now. I think this is kind of a spot start. As Megan mentioned, he struggled a lot after a decent early start of the season. Smiley now 9-8 and eight with a 492 and run average against Reese Olsen, who's had some nice moments as a rookie for the uh, Tigers this year. 2-5, and five, though. Uh, you 483 earned run average. In the next segment, there'll be phone call time, 602-260-1060. General discussion. Also, we'll get to today's local roundup. They'll include plenty from the Diamondbacks. Uh, you know, dramatic victory last night after not much happening for nine innings, but a dramatic victory last night over the first-place Rangers. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlex HD 2 100.7. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time to the KDUS hotline 
260-1060 if you want to get in. General discussion, feel free to interrupt at any point if you would like. All right, today's local roundup obviously starts with the Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks recorded one of their most uh, impressive and certainly dramatic wins of the season last night. They've now won eight of the last ten games. They're back to four games above 500 for the season. Diamondbacks, uh, you know, last two games, they've won with bullpen games, kind of like the Giants. Even though that Giants formula, which was working so well for them with the bullpen game, for much of the season, that has faded dramatically recently, and pretty much the Giants have faded dramatic, re- radically recently too. Last night was Joe Mantiply who actually started. He didn't even make it through the first inning. That was kind of the plan. They weren't going to let him face Garcia, the fourth hitter in the lineup for the Rangers. But the key reliever last night was Shane Ciccone. Uh, Shane, uh, you know, Slade Ciccone. I, I got to get that right because Slade's a great first name. Slade Ciccone, he allowed just one run in five innings in the eventual 4-3 11-inning Diamondbacks victory. Ciccone in those five innings allowed just three hits, two walks, only two strikeouts. Truth be told, he did benefit from some line drive outs, That's, uh, but he surrendered only the solo homer to Adolis Garcia. Meanwhile, the drama began in the ninth inning when Cattell Marte tied the game at one with a home run off for Raldis Chapman. Then after Kevin Ginkle allowed two runs in the top of the 11th inning, the Diamondbacks rallied for three in the bottom of the 11th. You know, they, uh, that was after Rangers regular closer Will Smith, who mysteriously was not pitching in the bottom of the eighth, uh, the bottom of the ninth inning, and uh, they put Chapman in there, who has only had a couple of save opportunities all year since the trade, but they both blew saves last night. Meanwhile, in the eleventh inning, Geraldo Perdomo, a Perdomo, uh, doubled home uh, Gabe, uh, Gabriel Moreno, and then Tommy Fan actually extended his hitting streak twelve games with the game-winning double to score Pordomo and also uh, Marte, who was intentionally walked. The Diamondbacks failed to score in eight innings against starting pitcher Jeff Montgomery, uh, who allowed just four hits, one walk, had six strikeouts, lots of swing and miss by the Diamondbacks. I believe it was 17 swinging strikes and 80-some pitches for Montgomery last night. Uh, The Rangers also... Uh, they've now lost a season-most five consecutive games, but they still do lead the AL West over the Astros, but the lead is now down to one-and-a-half games. Some personnel news for the Diamondbacks. Evan Longoria activated from the injured list on Monday. He was in the lineup last night. The Diamondbacks option Kyle Lewis back to AAA Reno. Uh, third base has become kind of a, it's been, it's been kind of a rotating spot here. A handful of uh, performers who, quite frankly, have not produced, including Longoria, who I think is it's safe to say has been at least, at least statistically mediocre at best. A 238 batting average, 11 homers, 38 runs batted in, 16 walks, only 16 walks, and 176 plate appearances. A couple other quick things here. Carson Kelly, now former Diamondback officially, has landed in Detroit. He was a Tigers starting catcher on Monday. And up next, the Diamondbacks' two-game series against Texas ends tonight. Uh, Zach Gallon, 13-5 with a 317 run average. He is the scheduled Diamondbacks starting pitcher. Uh, he's amongst the, merit, the, uh, excuse me, the National League leaders in many statistical categories. He was not a factor in the decision in his uh, only start this year against the Rangers. That was at Texas on May the 2nd. 
He allowed three runs on seven hits, six strikeouts, only made it through five innings. The Rangers do a really good job of extending pitchers into deep, uh, starting pitchers into deep, uh, you know, pitching uh, high pitch counts early uh, early in the game. They get guys out of there pretty early because they uh, they take a lot of pitches and don't swing at a lot of uh, pitches out of the zone for the most part. The Rangers tonight scheduled to go. With a uh, rookie, uh, rock, you know, with uh, former Rocky, I should say, not rookie, but former Rocky, John Gray, who's pitched in this ballpark a lot and faced the Diamondbacks a lot in his Colorado career. This year, Gray, 3-6 and six with a 352 earned run average, which in this day and age of Major League Baseball is pretty good. All right, on the phone lines we go. Tom, what's going on? He just hung up. Okay. Okay, uh, call back, Tom. We'll get to you right away. One other Diamondback item here. There's been speculation around baseball, uh, not just fantasy baseball, uh, but uh, Jordan Lawler might actually be called up at the, to the major leagues this season. Okay, let's try Tom. Tom, what's going on? Hey, not a lot. Uh, did uh, Tommy Pham kind of save that third base coach? <laughs> Don't you think they well, yeah. Obviously, that well, I mean, they are you know, Garcia's got one of the best throwing arms in baseball. That would have been a mammoth throw, even for him. Uh, but uh, yeah, that was an interesting call there. Um, usually with two outs, when, you when they cut it off, I mean, well, that's true. I'm guessing that he didn't, you know, I'm guessing Garcia didn't think that he was going to run, but because uh, we saw Garcia, I've, I've seen Garcia, now that's been. Even when he was let go by St. Louis, his throwing arm is the one thing he was most known for. And obviously we saw that throw last night, the third base, when Marte almost got thrown out of a play that was Marino, right? Marino should have never tagged up on that play. That was not a smart baseball play, and they got lucky. He he lucked out for sure. Hey, uh, how great is it that Cincinnati's got two games tomorrow? We don't have any? Correct. Uh, yeah, I mentioned yesterday, in fact, as soon as the game in L.A. was rained out, uh, that they had to play a doubleheader. And the, the Reds pitching staff is not really good, not very good anyway, to begin with. And uh, they're going to have to unload and uh, playing the doubleheader before they come here for a four-game series. Uh, I assume they're going to have to make some roster moves no matter what happens to them on Wednesday. So we'll see what happens as far as uh, their pitching staff goes. And as I mentioned, their pitching staff, obviously their biggest weakness anyway. Okay, Tom's gone. Thanks, Tom. All right, uh, around the uh, National League West, real quickly here, the Giants lost again. Uh, Bryce Harper has uh, really started to hit the ball inside the park homer last night. And the Phillies destroyed the Giants last night 10-4. to I mentioned uh, the opener thing has not worked out well for the Giants as it uh, you know, did with you know, tremendous success, amazing success early in the season. Those some of those guys that have been pitching all these innings and they've been you know they've had the most uh, you know I know at one point as of like a week ago they had actually made the most you know, starting you know not just starting but uh, pitching transactions of anybody because they're always sending guys up and down to try to restock their bullpen. Uh, that's uh, maybe some of those guys are kind of gassed. And uh, we're not even into September yet. And uh, they clearly look like a team that is running out of gas. You know, they've lost uh, four out of five and 11 out of 15 at this point. 
Uh, they, uh, you know, basically, you know, they have a one game. They have a, like, a, you know, you know, I'll get to that in a minute as far as the wild card situation. But it's, uh, they're fading. They're fading badly in the Diamondbacks in this last you know, 10 days or so. have uh, seemingly turned it around, mostly against not good teams, you know, Colorado and San Diego. But last night they beat the first place Rangers. And the Rangers currently going through their worst stretch of the season. So may not be a bad time to face the Rangers. And uh, tonight's the second game of the two-game series. So, speaking of the wild card, as far as that goes, the Phillies, they're playing really good baseball um, you know, for the most part for really about six weeks now. They're still only 5-5 five and five in the last 10 games, but they've played, you know, I think, pretty well. They've uh, kind of uh, stabilized their pitching staff. They've gotten some people off the injured list. They've made the trade for Lorenzen who obviously was really good in his first two starts, including the no-hitter in the second start. Then he got clobbered in his third start, his first start off the no-hitter. But uh, the Phillies have 57 losses at this point, and really the loss column is what you need to pay attention to from here on out uh, with you know, less than uh, you know, six weeks roughly to go in the season. The Cubs sitting at 59 losses. San Francisco at 60 now. And uh, the Diamondbacks sitting at 61 losses. And also Cincinnati at 61 losses. We just talked about them. They're coming in here for the four-game series beginning Thursday night at Chase Field. And Miami also in this race, even though Miami seemingly has kind of hit a wall here, uh, and they now have 62 losses on this season. But that's a, quite a wild-card situation there. I don't think there's going to be – I think – I thought for you know like a couple weeks ago I wondered if a team with a losing record – might actually be the final wild card in the National League. That's still mathematically possible, but I think it's uh, realistically not going to happen, most likely not going to happen. Let's put it that way. All right, also real quickly, uh, the Cardinals made a couple of moves yesterday. They announced the hiring of Jeremy Walls as the chief operating officer. He's going to handle a lot of the, uh, yeah, well, basically the description that the Cardinals sent out in the release. Uh, he's going to uh, lead the team's uh, corporate partnerships, marketing, ticket sales and operations, member services, and food beverage operations. So that's going to be his main main thing there. He was most recently with Miami. Uh, he had a variety of roles for Miami as the, quote, senior vice president and chief revenue officer. Uh, he's been doing his work, work for the Dolphins since 2013. Also, on the field, football move on Monday. They made a couple, but the one that is really the one that needs to be mentioned by me right now is uh, not surprisingly, they released punter, ASU alum Matt Pock, uh, who has lost the punter battle to Nolan Cooney. That was pretty obvious after the first two preseason games that Cooney has certainly had punted much better. I'm not there at practice every day, so I'm not sure how that's worked out, but Clearly, Cooney is the punter. That's the plan. And presumably, the holder on place kicks for, place, uh, place kicks for Matt Prater. And that might be just as important as far as the, you know, the punting. You know, Prater's had a few holders come and go here. And uh, the long snapper situation that we had a couple years ago, that was a big issue. When Prater missed uh, more field goals than usual, it was a different long snapper. All right, coming up next, we'll have a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's spectacular one-hour radio program with the National Roundup. That'll include some a little more from the MLB scoreboard from last night 
and uh, we'll try to get to as many other little nuggets and items nationally as possible in the last segment of today's show. Uh, don't forget the extra point. We'll return tomorrow with Kayla, full three hours of local programming from 9 o'clock to noon. And uh, tomorrow in the Sports Zone, among other things, we will preview the Buffalo Bills, who uh, had you know, certainly a disappointing ending of their season last year. Josh Allen was a turnover machine last year. That needs to improve. Their offensive line needs to get better. And we will cover all that in the 9:15 segment on the Wednesday Sports Zone. But we still got one more hour to go on the Tuesday Sports Zone, so don't go anywhere. All right, welcome back. Final segment today, Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD 2 100.7. It is thank you time. As always, we thank you for listening. Special thanks to the callers, emailers, tweeters, texters, whomever, and whatever else sips of the cracks. Also, our guest today, Megan Montemuro, covers the Cubs for the Chicago Tribune. The Cubs currently in the playoff situation, certainly, wild card-wise, and uh, obviously still in the race in the NL Central. And uh, they got three games next week against uh, Milwaukee. Then they also play four games next week at Cincinnati. And as Megan mentioned, they conclude the season with three games at Milwaukee. Sound of the day, courtesy of WSCR. That's the Cubs flagship now in Chicago. ESPN, Major League Baseball, CBS, and Fox. Special thanks, as always, to Kayla, Corey, and Aaron. All right, well, from the MLB scoreboard last night, and speaking of the Cubs, they blew a lead and then they won the game. In the ninth inning, Jan Gomes. And uh, Nick Madrigal uh, had doubles in the ninth inning. The Cubs uh, held on then in the bottom of the ninth to beat the Tigers 7-6 to last night. And uh, they, they actually had a three-run lead in the eighth, and uh, then they got the lead back in the ninth inning. And as I mentioned, held on. You know, they did uh, Alzale, the closer, not available last night. So they just kind of uh, faked their way through it the last couple innings and got the save. Uh, got the uh, got the uh, got the win in the ninth inning there yesterday, and so there's that. Uh, Seo Suzuki hit a home run for a second consecutive day, and a three-run second inning gave the Cubs the early lead in that game last night. So tonight, to repeat, it's Drew Smiley who has been out of the rotation lately, uh, kind of uh, thrown in there today. I don't know if he does well. Maybe he'll get more opportunities. As Megan mentioned uh, when we talked to her earlier in the hour, they've got some innings management here. So it would be very helpful for the Cubs if Smiley displayed the form that he did early in the season when he was pretty good. Uh, unfortunately, now, after he hasn't been really good, uh, he's now got a 4.92 run average, still has a 9-8 record. Drew uh, Resolson goes for the uh, Tigers tonight. And uh, he's had some good and some bad. He's a rookie. He's got some promise, though. We'll see what happens. Uh, of course, this is a kind of a revenge game uh, for Smiley. They actually draft the Tigers drafted him in the second round in 2010, and he pitched with them for a couple years. Meanwhile, the Astros uh, won the first of seven games the next two weeks against the Red Sox. They play each other seven times. This is the first, last night was the first of a four-game series, and they play three games next week at Fenway. Chaz McCormick, he's one of the biggest surprises in baseball this year. He homered twice, four runs batted in last night. The Astros went eight, uh, nine to four. Another horrendous defensive game for the Red Sox last night. 
they uh, you know, the official scores don't seem to. I've heard this a lot lately, and I totally agree with the theory. I have no idea why. I don't know if there's a mandate out there, but they don't really give errors to many plays that deserve to be errors these days. Uh, and uh, the Red Sox could have had a bunch of them last night. They had a lot of misplays that were ruled hits. So last night, the uh, Astros win. Obviously, they were coming off of being swept over the weekend by the Seattle Mariners. So it's not like they were playing at a high level before last night. Uh, tonight, it's Tanner Houck for the Boston against uh, Justin Verlander for the Texas Rangers. Meanwhile, the Marlins, uh, one of the teams in the wild card chase, uh, with the Diamondbacks, they lost last night at San Diego. Hassan Kim, he's been unbelievable so far offensively. He was just a great glove and arguably the best infielder in baseball before this year. Kim hit a grand slam last night, stole third and scored twice as the uh, Padres uh, beat the Marlins 6-2 to last night in San Diego. And uh, thankfully, things and didn't get as bad as it could have or maybe expected. Uh, with the hurricane in uh, Southern California, and the uh, Padres played that game last night. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone for today. We'll be back for a full three hours of uh, morning local programming with the Sports Zone from 9 to 10 tomorrow morning. We'll have, among other things, a Buffalo Bills preview as we preview the uh, AFC East this week. Also, have the extra point hosted by Kayla. That's from 10 uh, to noon tomorrow morning. This has been the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the day, everybody.